In this message, we discover the importance that the Lord Jesus gave for healings, deliverances and miracles. He has commissioned us to do the same, and so we must. Today, I want to talk to us on this topic, commissioned to heal, and really uh, bring out from the Word of God, from the Scriptures, on uh, uh, the, the importance of healings, miracles, deliverances. You know, we live in a postmodern world where there have been tremendous advances in science and technology, and we are thankful for that. And uh, we have benefits. Uh, we enjoy the benefits of all the advancements that we've seen in, uh, in the area of science, technology, and other areas. Uh, and it is good. We're not against it. It's for our benefit. It makes life living that much more comfortable and convenient and so on. But we, as, uh, we must not do away with the fact that God is God. He's bigger and greater than all of these things. And there are those times when we, in spite of all the knowledge we have, in spite of all the advancements we have, we need God's intervention in our lives, whether it's in the area of healing or deliverance or uh, miracles in our life situations. And uh, there is no telling, uh, you know, as a pastor, when I meet with people and listen to the stories and listen to people's needs, you know that there is nothing humanly possible that can resolve that situation or meet that need or cause a change. It has to be God's divine intervention. And so it's so important for us as believers, as the body of Christ, to, to embrace the God of the Bible for who he really is and not allow modern thought, whether even it's in the modern thought in terms of the church world, to displace the importance of miracles, the supernatural, and God working in our lives. So this morning, I want to speak along those lines, talking about the fact that we as believers today, even though we are here 2,000 years from the time of Christ, uh, his earthly life, 2,000 years have come and gone. And yet 2,000 years today, we still need God's interventions in our lives. And that we have been commissioned by God to work miracles, to do the works of Christ in healing, in deliverances, and in miracles. So when you go back to the ministry of Jesus, when Jesus came into this world, this is God, the eternal word, who always was, and who now in, has become incarnate. He has come into this world uh, as a man, and he's walking as a man. So think about the eternal God, who has laid aside his powers of deity, his omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. He is still deity, but without those powers. And he has chosen to confine himself to a human body, walk as a man. And so the first 30 years of his life, he goes through the normal process of growing up. Uh, he serves with his father, Joseph. They, he was father was a carpenter, so it's obvious that Jesus worked with him as a carpenter and and you see uh, later on in the gospels you know they identified jesus as the son of a carpenter so obviously he probably built their chairs and desks and tables and all of that he was known for that as a carpenter and a carpenter's son so he spent these 30 years 
Then he showed 30 years of his life as a carpenter's son, doing what a carpenter's son would do. And then he began his ministry at the age of 30. Now, this is the eternal word who begins his ministry. And how does he go about doing his ministry? So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me or as, as we normally do, the, screen, the, the scriptures will come up on the screen so you could uh, read that with us. Uh, but today I'm just going to do it the old fashioned way. I'm going to turn my Bible and read it uh, from the scriptures in, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, reading verses 23 and 24. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So how did Jesus go about it? What did he do in his ministry? The Bible is so clear here. He went about preaching. He went about teaching. And he also went about healing. And that word healing here uh, includes all of the supernatural things he was doing. He was healing people of all kinds of sicknesses and diseases and demonic torments and oppressions. And so we would use the word deliverance for that. And he went around working all kinds of miracles for the people. So he was preaching, teaching, and healing. Now preaching and teaching are important. But I want us to understand the importance of the works that Jesus did, the healing, delivering, and miraculous works, the importance of that. So Jesus went about doing these miracles, and the Gospels record some of these miracles. And in fact, John, as he uh, concludes his Gospel, uh, in, in both in chapter 20 of John and also in uh, chapter 21, uh, I'm reading John chapter 20 and verse 30, John writes, he says, and truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So John is saying, look, you know, we were eyewitnesses to all these miracles, and we've recorded some of them for you. But there are many more miracles that Jesus did, which we have not recorded. And he repeats that in, at the end of chapter 21 of the Gospel of John, in verse 25, he says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So John is telling us, you know, there's so many miraculous things Jesus did. If he were to sit down and write, I mean, it would be so voluminous. I mean, numerous. I mean, to detail every healing, uh, every miracle, so many. So the miracles of Jesus were truly numerous the, the works that Jesus did but it is interesting to see how Jesus extended that work through his disciples so we understand that Jesus had uh, initially he called 12 disciples or 12 apostles and uh, we see his commission of course this is recorded in and and all the three synoptic gospels Matthew Mark and Luke and I'm just reading here from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, uh, verse 1, it says, When he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them 
power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Verses 7 and 8, and he told them, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So it is interesting to see here that Jesus is extending this supernatural ministry to and through his 12 disciples. He calls these 12 and he says, look, I'm giving you authority. The Greek word there is exosia. It talks about authority. We'll talk more about that uh, in the weeks to come. So he's saying, I'm delegating you with authority. And what kind of authority? He says, over all demons, over all unclean spirits. I'm giving you that authority. And I'm giving you the authority to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And I want you to go and proclaim, preach, tell people God's kingdom has come into our realm. God's moving now. He is establishing his dominion here on earth in, to begin with. And of course, it's in the hearts and lives of people and those who want to receive his kingdom, his dominion, his rule are welcome to do that. Since God's kingdom is here. And as you're proclaiming are announcing the uh, coming of his kingdom into the hearts and lives of people. I also want you to do this. I want you to heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead and cast out demons. Do these miraculous things because freely you've received, freely give it away. I mean, you've received this authority. I'm giving it to you. Just give it away freely. So Jesus commissioned his 12 disciples uh, to go and do the same things that he himself was doing. You know, but somebody might say, well, Jesus was doing it. That was only meant for that time and just for the 12. And, uh, you know, it was only for those special people to do that. But if you continue looking in the Gospels and we go now to the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, we find that Jesus called another 70 people. So we know the original 12, the apostles. But Luke 10 and verse 1 says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. I'm skipping down to verse 9 and here's what he tells these 70. He says, And heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God is come near to you. So to these 70, Jesus extends the same commission, not only to the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles, but to these 70, he says, I want you to go and do the same thing. Heal the sick, do the miraculous works, and announce God's kingdom here. Now, in the same chapter in Luke 10, the 70 come back to Jesus. This is, this is in verse 17 of Luke 10. The Bible says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So the seventy come back and they say, Lord, we are seeing amazing things happening in your name, using the authority that you've delegated to us, 
which we have received freely and which we are extending freely to people, is they're saying, Lord, the demons are subject to us in your name. And we tell them to go, they go. People are being set free. People are being delivered. And, you know, Jesus says, look, I saw Satan fall. I, I saw Satan be thrown out of heaven. I saw that. And, and Jesus is saying, I'm giving you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy to the 70. He's extending that dimension of authority, spiritual authority given to them, delegated to them. And so they go out and do the same works. So Jesus is doing miraculous works. He has extended the commission to the 12 apostles. He has extended that same commission to another 70. So, you know, this is something very significant. Why did Jesus not just engage people with words? He is the eternal word. He has now become the incarnate word. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why didn't he just use wisdom and knowledge to impress his audience and just try to convince them about who he is? Uh, that he is indeed the Messiah, that he is indeed the word who became flesh. Why didn't he just use wisdom and knowledge? Now, some people say, well, the people in those days needed it. Of course, we need it today also. And I believe we'll talk about all these things. Uh, uh, what was the importance that, that Jesus gave to the miraculous works that he was doing in his ministry? You know, he didn't just limit himself to arguments, to good, good philosophy, uh, to good logic, to good reasoning in order to attract crowds. Crowds didn't come to hear him for his great speeches or for his great sermons. The Bible records time and time again, they came to hear and to be healed. Or in many cases, they came just because of the miraculous works. So what was the importance of these miraculous works, these supernatural works to the ministry of Jesus? And I want you to track with me in scripture as we go. Some of you may have heard me speak about these things, uh, especially uh, in our weekend schools when we talk about these kinds of things. Uh, 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 but for some of you, some of you, this may be the first time you're hearing this. And I want you to pay attention. Now, even if you've heard me share these things before, listen to it as you've never heard it before with an open heart, open mind. Let these words sink deep into you because this truth is important when we get on to praying and ministering. Uh, a little later on and not only for our ministry this uh, on this service but the way we as Christians as believers should be living so receive what we're going to say so let us see in scripture the importance Jesus placed to the supernatural works that he was doing so let's go to John chapter 5 in the gospel of John chapter 5 now in chapter 5 Jesus has just finished uh, completed the, the work of healing a man by the pool of Bethesda. Uh, this man who's been uh, paralyzed for 38 years. Jesus has just miraculously healed him. The crowds are amazed though. They're, they're paying attention to the things that Jesus is saying following that miracle. And here's what Jesus says in verse 36 of John chapter 5. Jesus says, But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. 
So Jesus is referring to John the Baptist. He's saying, you know, what did you go out to see? You went to see John the Baptist. You heard him. And what did John the Baptist, who was he and what did he do? John the Baptist was a forerunner to Jesus. He was the one whom God had sent to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord Jesus. The father had told John very specifically as he was baptizing in the river Jordan, the one on whom you see the Holy Spirit descend, that's the person who is the Messiah. And I want you to attest to that. So that's exactly one, what is what that's exactly what John the Baptist did. Uh, he pointed to Jesus and said, this is the man who was even before me. This is the man. I'm not even worthy to uh, unloose his shoes. He is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. So this was John the Baptist, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, greater than Moses and Elijah and Elijah, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, who pointed to Jesus and said, this is the Messiah. And what is Jesus saying here in verse 36 of John chapter 5? Jesus is saying, I have a greater witness than John's. That means I have a testimony that is that far supersedes the testimony of John. What is that testimony? What is Jesus referring to? Jesus is saying, here in verse 36, the very works that I do bear witness of me. The very works. So Jesus is saying, you know, these miraculous works that I'm doing, they are more important than the testimony of the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. So think about the importance of the miraculous works to Jesus. He's saying the works that I'm doing are more important to testify to who I am than the testimony of John the Baptist, than the greatest Old Testament prophet. That's how important the works of uh, Jesus were. Now, Matthew chapter 11. If you go to Matthew chapter 11, we have a very interesting uh, incident here in uh, Matthew chapter 11. But we read from verse 2, 2 to verse 6, Matthew 11. Verse 2 to verse 6, it says here, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who was not offended because of me. You see, at this time in, John, in Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist has now been apprehended. King Herod, by King Herod, is put, put in prison. So John the Baptist is in prison. And he's hearing about all the great things that Jesus is doing. But Jesus is not rescuing him out of prison. So John is confused. Now, can you imagine this? This was the very man who saw the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus. This was the very man who pointed to Jesus and said, this is the Lamb of God. He, now in prison, is questioning all of that. So he sends his disciples and he says, go and ask Jesus, are you really the one or should we be looking for somebody else? John is second guessing himself. He's in doubt. Now, how does Jesus respond to John? You know, Jesus could have told John, John, uh, did you forget uh, about all the things that happened in my life? Did you forget the, the, there were those great hosts of angels who came and announced by my birth to the shepherds? Uh, do you, did, John, don't you remember the three wise men who came, who saw the star, who came, the, the star in heaven was pointing towards me. 
Uh, John, did you forget that you saw the Holy Spirit come on me? Uh, uh, all these things. You know, Jesus could have pointed to any of these things and said, John, all these things are attesting to who I am. But what did Jesus do? He simply pointed to the miraculous works. He told the disciples of John, go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dumb speak, the dead are raised, and to the poor the gospel is preached. Meaning these miraculous works is what I will point to, even to John, as a sign, as a proof, as a witness that I am indeed the Messiah, is what Jesus is saying. So how important were the works of Christ, the supernatural works? They were very important, even uh, in attesting to who he was to John, the Baptist, the, uh, the greatest Old Testament prophet himself. Another passage that I wanted to want us to go to is in John, the 10th chapter. So I hope you're tracking with me. I hope you're understanding the importance that Jesus placed to the miracles works that he was doing. Yes, he went about preaching. Yes, he went about teaching. But the works that he did, he was pointing them out as saying these are so important uh, to express, to testify, to, to witness to who I am. His works of healing, of delivering people, of working miracles. Now in the 10th chapter of John, the, uh, the Jews come to Jesus. This is in verse 24. It says, Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, I mean, if you are really the Messiah, tell us plainly. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. So even to these Jews who come questioning and saying, you know, are you really the Christ? I mean, if you're the Christ, please tell us. Just saying, look, I've told you, you're not paying attention, but are you paying attention to the works I'm doing? The miracles I'm doing, these are bearing witness that the Father has sent me. Once again, he's pointing to those supernatural works as a witness to the people that he was indeed the Messiah. Now, in that same chapter, as Jesus continues talking to these Jews, in verse 37 and 38, I want you to pay very close attention to those verses because they're quite strong in what Jesus is saying. Look at what he says in verse 37. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. Now that is really strong. Jesus is saying, if I do not do the works of my Father, if I'm not healing the people, if I'm not delivering them, if I'm not working these miracles, if I do not do the works of my Father, then don't believe me. Wow, that's what Jesus said. And that's the kind of importance Jesus gave to his supernatural works. He says, look, if I don't do those works, don't believe me. And he continues in verse 38. But if I do, though you do not believe me, unless you don't believe what I'm saying, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. He says, though you don't believe me and you don't believe what I'm saying, at least pay attention to the works. Let the works, the miraculous works that I'm doing, be a proof to you, be an evidence to you, be a witness to you, be a testimony to you that I am indeed the Messiah. So here again, when the Jews are asking Jesus 
to authenticate himself, to validate himself. What does he point to? He does not point to anything else. He could have pointed to many things. He could have pointed to this and that, but he just points, look, the works I'm doing, the miraculous works, they are testifying that the Father has sent me. And if I'm not doing those works, don't believe me. That's how important the works of Jesus were. I want to go to one more passage in the 14th chapter of John. So if you just flip a few pages forward uh, to the 14th chapter of John, uh, we're going to look at verses 1 to 11 first. Uh, this is very interesting because now uh, this is close to about three or three and a half years since Jesus began his ministry. Uh, his 12 disciples, his apostles have been with him for uh, this period of time, almost three or three and a half years. And now Jesus is, is preparing them for his departure. He knows that shortly he's going to be crucified and uh, he's going to ascend, he's going to leave them, he's going to ascend into heaven. So he's preparing them. And as part of this preparation, John 14, and I'm just paraphrasing it, I'm just summarizing it. Uh, Jesus tells them, you know, uh, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. In my father's house, there are many mansions. Uh, if it wasn't so, I would have told you. But he says, look, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself so that where I am, uh, you may also be. And uh, you know the way, you know where I'm going and you're the way to get there. So he said, he's preparing them for his departure. Then Thomas, having heard this, he says, Thomas says, Lord, show us the way. I mean, we don't know the way to your father's house. And I don't know what Thomas was thinking. Was he really thinking about the heavenly father or, you know, Jesus' earthly father? I don't know. But he was saying, this is in verse 5, you know, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus in response, in verse 6, the famous words that we know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the father except through me. So now Philip responds and he says, show us the father. And you've said you're the way to the father, but where's the father? You know, show us the father. And then Jesus responds to saying to Philip, and of course he's speaking to all of his disciples, and he says, Philip, you know, have I been so long with you that you haven't seen the father? Now I've told you guys, I've told you all very often, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you know me, you know the father. Meaning Jesus and the father were so one that everything the father is was now expressed through Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, if you know me, you know my father. If you see me, you see my father. I mean, we are exact. He's the exact representation of the father. So, you know, oh, he tells them that. And, 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 and it probably uh, Jesus can sense this, you know, this lack of understanding. And they're not kind of gra grasping what he's saying. And notice in verse 10, he says, do you not believe that I am in the father and the father in me? And he says, the words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. The Father who dwells in me does the works. So he's pointing to his words and his works. And he's saying, the words I speak and the works I do, they're all from the Father. They're not just mine. They're actually the Father's words and the Father's works. So if you've heard me, you've heard the Father. If you've seen me do these works, you've seen the Father. This is who the Father is. He has expressed through the words. It is the Father who heals, who delivers, who works miracles. And that's the very heart of the Father. So he says, this is the Father. You've already heard and seen him through me. And then he goes on to say, verse 11, very important. Believe me 
that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Now, once again, to his own disciples, after them having been with him for three or three and a half years by now, Jesus telling them, believe me for what I'm saying. Just take my word for it, that I am the Father, the Father's in me. Or if you can't take my word for it, he says in verse 11, believe me for, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. That means you see these works that you, that I have done, believe me for the sake of the works, because you've seen these works, believe me. So, you know, tracking uh, all of these passages in John 5, he says, uh, my works are more important than the testimony of John the Baptist and Matthew 11 uh, to, to allay the doubts of a prophet. He says, look at my works in, uh, in, uh, uh, Matt, uh, in, um, in John 10 to the Jews. He says, my works are testifying that I am the Christ. In John 14 to his own disciples, he says, look, my works are testifying that the Father and I are one. So how important were the works, the supernatural works to Jesus? It was more important than the testimony of John the Baptist. It was more important than his preaching and his teaching. Why? Because we saw in John 10, Jesus said, if I do not do the works, don't believe me. If I don't do the works, don't believe me. Don't believe what I'm saying. His works were more important than all that he preached and taught. So that's what I want to impress on your heart and mind, that the miraculous works that Jesus did was so important to him. But it does not stop there. As we continue right here in this passage in John 14 that we've been going through, after he gives verse 11, verse 12 is the commission for you and me. In the very next verse, in John 14, verse 12, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, talking about you and me, all believers, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So John 14 verse 12 must be understood in the context in which it was given. And the context in which it was given was uh, his own disciples saying, uh, wondering, you know, about the Father and he's saying, look, the works I'm doing are proof that I have been sent by the Father and the Father and I are one. And Jesus in that context is saying that believers will do the works he did and even greater works because he's gone to the Father. Why would they do that works? For the same very reason that be through the works we do, the works of Christ, which we manifest in our day, our time, would attest to who Christ is, that he is truly the son of the living God. He is truly Christ. He is truly the one from the Father. He is truly the savior of the world. He is truly the way, the truth, and the life. So that's how important the works of the doing the works of Christ is to the church today. And I want to encourage you and me as believers. You know, we need to rediscover this. You see, somewhere along the way, we have lost our understanding on the importance of the supernatural in the life of the believer and the life of the church. Just believe the word of God. That Jesus gave importance to the supernatural works 
And so we must give the same importance to it. In fact, he said that we who believe in him will do greater works than these, than the works he did 2,000 years ago. In our day, in our time, we will do the kinds of things that Jesus did not do in his day, in his time. He said, greater than these things you will do. And that's what we need in our day, in our time. Here in 2020, uh, the world needs a testimony to who Jesus Christ is. And it is incumbent upon you and me as believers in Jesus, as he has spoken here in John 14, 12, that we do the works he did so that the world can know that Jesus Christ is who he said he really is. Don't let anybody, don't let Theological arguments reason you out of the supernatural. Jesus gave importance, utmost importance to the supernatural works he did. Now, of course, sometimes our own logic, our own understanding robs us of the supernatural. You know, uh, we thank God for education. I'm not against education and I continuously learn and read and all of that and thank God for it. But we must know where to keep our education. Our education is not greater than God's. Our learning and understanding, our scientific, technological knowledge is not superior to God. God is infinitely greater. So in as much as we increase our uh, knowledge of, of science and technology and all that's wonderful, but that can never take the place of God. So don't let your learning, don't let your education rob you of the supernatural. God is still at work and Jesus still wants to do his works and greater works through you and me as believers in our day, in our time. You know, people say, why aren't we seeing all this in the church? Because the church has been robbed of it through all of the wrong kind of things that have been taught to us. And we need to be bold enough to lay that aside and embrace the simple truth of the scripture and say, this is what I see in the Bible. I'm going to stand with the Bible. I'm going to stand with the word of God. I'm going to say, God, do this through my life. And just to bring this message to a close, I want to bring our attention to Matthew 28, 18 and 20. Uh, the Great Commission, because in that Great Commission, Jesus spoke to the, the 11 apostles at that time, and he said, I want you to go, I want you to make disciples of all the nations, and I want you to teach them to observe everything I've commanded you, and that everything I've commanded you includes heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. You can't leave that out of that commission. So in the Great Commission is the commission to you and me to do the works Jesus did. In John 14, 12 is the commission to you and me to heal, to deliver, to do supernatural things. And then finally in James chapter 5, as uh, James writes uh, uh, to the church, uh, he tells them in verse 14 and 15, he says, is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Uh, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he have committed sins, he will be forgiven. So again, here you see that in the church, the church has been commissioned to heal. He says, is anyone sick? And they call for the elders of the church. Let them pray for him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. So the key here is the simple thing, faith. And you know, faith is so powerful. Jesus put it like this. He said, faith like a mustard seed can move a mountain. If you and I do have a mustard seed size of faith, size of faith mountains will move before us. Because Jesus said, if you have faith, even that little amount of faith, mustard seed sized of faith, he said, mountains will move before you. Nothing will stop you. Can you imagine that all the learning, with all the preaching, we don't even have a mustard seed size of faith. 
You say, well, well, how can you say that? I think I have more than a mustard seed. Well, the proof of a mustard seed side of faith, size of faith is mountains moving. Because Jesus, you know, James writes, he says, faith without works is dead. So if I, if I cannot demonstrate those works, that means what I have is really not what I claim to have. But if I do have a mustard seed sized faith, mountains will move. Jesus said it. Because faith in God is so powerful. It is so powerful that even a little amount of faith in God, great things can happen. Mountains can move. Cancers can disappear. Blind eyes can open. Deaf ears can hear. Our bones can be healed. Our bodies can be healed. That little faith can dominate the natural world, is what Jesus said. If you have faith as a mustard seed, he said you can tell a mountain to move and move. Bodies can be healed. Demons cast out. Circumstance situations will be changed. Storms will be calmed. Uh, businesses can be turned around with that mustard seed size of faith. Jesus said that. So I want to invite you with me today as we are going to pray. And we'll give our worship team time just to uh, minister to us through song. And then after that, we're going to pray together. Yes. 
We're going to join our hearts together and pray right now. You know, all I want to invite you and me to do is to come with a mustard seed size of faith. That's it. Because Jesus said, if you have that much faith, it's so powerful. Anything can happen. He said in Matthew 7, 20, nothing will be impossible to you. With that little amount of faith in God, nothing will be impossible to you. So just, how does faith come? By hearing the word. That's why this entire time that we spend in the word of God is so important for us to believe that word. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's why the teaching of the ministry of God's word is so important. And you and I, we've heard the word of God right now. That word will produce faith. So don't let your reasoning rob you of that faith that has been birthed in your heart through the hearing of God's word. For a moment, just lay aside all of the arguments, the 1,000 reasons that preachers have given you why you shouldn't have, shouldn't be here. Now they will say it's not God's time, it's not God's will, maybe it'll happen in the future. Just lay it all aside. The Bible says the Father works like this. The Father heals. That's the works of Christ, the works of the Father. Just cling on to that. Lay aside all of your reasoning as to why your situation is so difficult or why it's so impossible. Just look at God. With Him, nothing is impossible. Are you battling cancer, leukemia, some other form of cancer? Whatever it is, maybe the doctors have said, look, you know, there's nothing more we can do. But there's a God in heaven for whom nothing is impossible. Just one touch will change everything. All we need is that little bit of faith, that mustard seed size of faith, and any mountain can move and nothing will be impossible to us. So I want you at this moment to believe God. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I know out there on the other side of the screen, there are numerous needs, physical, some of them are emotional. Some people have gone through trauma that has left them hurt and still suffering. Uh, some are under demonic oppression. And as I pray, I'm just trusting in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We have nothing in ourselves, but we do have the mighty name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's Word. God has given that to us. And so as I pray right now, I'm believing that God will touch you by the power of His Holy Spirit and in the name that is above every other name, that sicknesses and diseases will be broken. And you and I will join our hearts with that mustard seed size of faith, a little faith, join our hearts. Believe that God will do a miracle. Nothing is impossible with our God. These works are very important to God. The miracle, your miracle, is very important to God because it's a sign that Jesus is who He said He is. Let's believe God together. I want you to lay your hand on that part of your body. You want Jesus to touch you and heal you if you can. Or if you're with somebody, stretch out your hand, lay your hand on them. If you've prayed many times before, it's okay. Let's pray again because today can be your day. This moment can be your moment. And God will work a miracle. 
for you. And let's do it with expectation. And once we have finished praying, I want you to check. You know, if Jesus was standing in your room before you, he would tell what he told us the people in the Bible days. He would tell them, rise, take up your bed and walk, stretch out your hand, go wash your face. Uh, he would tell them to do something as an expression of their faith and to check, to do what they could not do before. That's exactly what Jesus would tell you to do if he was standing in your room right next to you. So once we're done praying, just do that. Step out and do what you could not do. Check your body in faith and with expectation that you'll have a sign, you'll have an evidence of your healing and you believe and receive. Let's pray. Father, we have received your word. We have read from your word, that eternal word, that powerful word. So now I pray that you will confirm that word and confirm the mighty name of Jesus in the lives of those watching and listening. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I command every sickness and disease to leave the bodies of people. I command healing to come. Uh, conditions that doctors cannot help with, let them be healed now in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit of the living God. Let every person listening, watching, be healed. I cast off every demonic work in the name of Jesus. Every foul, unclean spirit, I expel you in the name of Jesus. I command you to leave. Spirits of infirmity, spirits of uncleanness, spirits of oppression, spirits that are holding people in bondage, in addiction, in controlling habits i release people from those things in the name of jesus i speak your freedom i declare your freedom be free in jesus name i command healing to paralysis let your body be healed rise up and walk rise and do what you could not do i command tumors and growths to disappear in the name of jesus let cancers disappear let skin conditions leave in the name of jesus I'll let there be healing in the lives of the people right now. And Lord, as each one acts their faith, that mustard seed size of faith, as they act on their faith, let mighty miracles take place right now. So I want to encourage you to check your body, do what you could not do, stretch your hands, stand on your feet, begin to move, check by faith and, and do it. Sometimes you know, there have been testimonies where people have been doing it for some time and then the miracle comes into their body. So do it by faith, with your faith in God. Even that mustard seed size of faith, Jesus said, move mountains, can move anything. Nothing will be impossible. So do it because the works of the Father are available to you and me. Jesus said, that's why he came, that he will give us the works. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still doing the works of the Father through his people so in jesus name be healed be well be blessed be delivered be prosperous be triumphant let let businesses flourish let businesses turn around that increase come into your life let all your needs be met let provision supernaturally come into your life let there be resolutions of problems let there be a turnaround of your circumstances and situations in the name of jesus Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being with us you know, on the service today. 
I want to encourage you to share this message with other people. You know, you and I have had the privilege of spending time in the Word of God and understanding these truths. Maybe you, you could share this message uh, with, you know, several people and say, hey, you need to hear the Word to, that, that I heard today and share it with them. Tell them to listen to the Word. You know, uh, don't tell them just to go to the end of prayer time. The prayer time is good, but uh, Hearing the word is important to prepare them for the prayer time. So encourage them to hear the word. Just look into the scriptures. And then when we pray, it will help them receive from God. So share this message with as many people as you can. So that their lives can be blessed. They can know the truth. And the truth will set them free. So we're going to close with a benediction. I want to uh, encourage you to stay strong, stay firm in faith. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, share your testimonies with us. Send an email to testimony at apcw.org. When we receive your testimony, we will collect them for over a period of time and then share them uh, with, uh, with, with people. Of course, we'll keep your name and other details confidential, but just share very brief what God has done so others can be encouraged and be blessed. So if you would do that, we would greatly appreciate it. Let's close. Father, we give you thanks for all that you've done. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each and every person watching and listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. See you again. God bless.